Exodus 3, 5, God said, Do not come near, put your shoes off your feet, for the place on which you stand is holy ground. Who was he talking to? Yes, praise the Lord. This is like those interviews on the street when the guy goes out and interviews them about, you know, who is Christopher Columbus. And, um, who was that? He said, take the shoes off. It was Moses. Praise the Lord. Moses is seeing the burning bush. God is, is manifesting himself and wants to speak to him about sending him to Egypt to lead his people in deliverance. So as Moses is about to draw near, God warns him and says, First, remove the shoes from your feet because you're about to enter holy ground. This series is about prayer that connects. All of us want to have a prayer life that is connecting with God. It's frustrating when you're just simply saying prayers and wondering, like texting people. I wonder if they got that message. and I, I, I don't know if I communicated myself right. Prayer is meant to be an intimate sharing of natures. God wants to share his love. He wants to share his thoughts with us. And so it's, it's supposed to be a connection. So God, knowing that he's about to make a connection with Moses, says, remove the shoes from your feet because you're entering holy ground. First thing I want to tell you today is that holiness and the mere mention of the word conjures up ideas and thoughts uh, about what is holiness. Holiness is about contact with God. Just clear your mind and let that thought just settle in. Holiness is about contact with God. I'd like you to just let every other thought about what you think holiness is, let it go off to the side for a minute. Let's say you're just learning for the very first time. Let's take that thought. Holiness is about contact with God. That's where it starts. So removing Moses' shoes from his feet was God basically saying to him, and by extension, saying to you and I, you're about to enter holy ground. So I want you to remove the self-protection. The reason Moses was to take his shoes off was because God said, you need shoes when you're walking those hard and rugged paths of life to protect your feet as you're walking. But when you come to me, you don't need that protection. There doesn't need to be any layer of protection between you and me. God said, I prefer there to be direct contact. So take your shoes off. That's what that was all about is God said, we're about to enter into direct contact. Now, when we have direct contact with God, what are we in contact with? God can be known in the Bible through all different kinds of characteristics, the mighty God, the consuming fire, the judge. But the Bible says explicitly, God is love. And so Moses is saying, I am uh, God was saying to Moses, I am God. I am the God who loves the world. You're going to find out I'm going to send my own son into the world and, and he is going to be me coming to you. He's going to directly contact you. In other words, God said, I'm going to take my shoes off and I'm going to step on your ground. And so to have contact with God, God says, I want you in direct contact with love. So remove the protection. You can trust my love. Somebody say amen. amen. So come forward holding nothing back. That's what God was saying when he said to Moses. And he was revealing through Moses that direct contact with the Father is what makes you holy. 
That's what causes holiness. It's entering holy ground. And so he says, you, you, I intend to make you holy through this conversation. So take your shoes off so we can have contact with my love as you hear my word. Praise the Lord. I want to give another thought to you, and I'd like you to think of holiness as integrity. Everyone say integrity. And you're free to think about what integrity is, what you think integrity is. And as you're thinking, consider that Peter writes in 1 Peter 1.16 and says, God speaking, you shall be holy for I am holy. You shall be holy for I am holy. God is saying in order for you and I to have contact, there needs to be sameness. We need to share same nature. And so God says, you must be holy for I am, in, I am holy. Most of us derive our idea of holiness from all of the regulations that were laid out as a prescription in the Old Testament for people that wanted to come before God. And basically, God was showing that as sinners and broken people, it is impossible for us to have contact with God. The unholy to have contact with the holy, the dead to have communion with the living, God is the living God, does not commune with death, sin, and unholiness. And so the law showed people that basically it was impossible to be holy by trying to groom yourself or make yourself adequate to have communion with God. However, God's plan from the very beginning was never to make us holy by grooming us through religious practices. He said, the only way you could be made holy is I will put my nature in you, and I'm going to come to you to do that. And that's who Jesus was. That's why the angels were singing, oh, good news for all mankind, because the Father has stepped out of his eternal glory in the Son and has come into the world. He's taking his shoes off. He's going to make contact with you so that you can have contact with him. Let me say to you that the Bible says you must be holy, for I am holy. And I want you also to see that, that uh, God said to Moses, before we can have a conversation, you must take off your shoes and step onto holy ground. So without being holy, we don't have a connection with God. Let me say to you that Jesus has made you holy in a way that you never could make yourself holy. And it may seem odd to you to think of yourself as being holy. In fact, um, if, it, if you haven't noticed how odd it feels, I want you to put your hand on your heart. And I want you to say this with me out loud. I am holy. Was that, did that hurt a little bit? Was that a little hard? That may have been a little hard for some of you. It seems odd when you look at your faults, when you look at your shortcomings, you look at the fact that, that what has been done in your body, the things that go through your mind, the words that come out of your mouth, it's odd to think of yourself as holy, isn't it? What I want to do is I want to help you by clearing up misconception about what holy is. Holy means, as in essence, separated unto God. And let's not complicate it any more than that, because when Moses was coming onto holy ground, he was separating from his daily life and coming into the presence of the Lord. The Lord said, take off the shoes, you're entering holy ground. Now, I guarantee you that little patch of the desert that that bush caught on fire that God selected that was not better sand, and that was not a better bush than the other bushes. 
That was not a nicer bush, a more, uh, 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 more morally upright bush. It was a bush. And throughout the Old Testament, there were many things, inanimate objects, plates, altars, articles of clothing, that were all separated unto God and called holy. Certain lands were called holy. And they weren't because those lands, that ground, the rocks, or the uh, inanimate objects, had any moral value to them. So God calls many things holy that have no moral value whatsoever. So why does he call them holy? Because they are dedicated to him. They're per they are repurposed from the world to serve the purposes of God. So it's not moral superiority or I am better than. When you put your hand on your heart, you're saying, I am separated and dedicated to my Father in heaven through Jesus Christ. You're not saying I'm better than others. You're not saying I'm morally superior. You're just saying, I am confessing that I'm separated unto God. Now it's a little easier to make that claim, isn't it? I'm going to preach whether you help me or not, but it just it's better for all of us if you help me with a little amen every now and then. It just, it's it's going to feel and go down a lot easier, praise the Lord. So therefore, I would like to offer integrity as a more accurate definition of holiness than betterness. A thing's not holy because it's better or morally superior. And this is why Christians that think that holiness is moral superiority aggravate unsaved people to the point that they don't want to hear the gospel and they don't want to get saved. Because when you come across as, what do people say in the world? Holier than, that I am holier, I am better than you, I'm morally superior. Now there is a superiority in us when we're born again, but that superiority in us is Jesus. And yes, walking with the Lord should produce an improvement. But one of the things I've noticed the older I get is that the more improved I become, the more weak I am. Because that improvement is in me is me dying and letting Jesus live. So I believe that as the Apostle Paul was preparing to leave this world, he wasn't leaving feeling like a spiritual giant. I believe he slipped out with a whimper, saying, Lord, here's the last of me. Thank God it's over. Jesus. What did John the Baptist say? I must decrease. He must increase. So holiness, a better definition than betterness, is integrity. God's thoughts, words, and deeds are perfectly integrated. And that's what integrity is. It's when there's an alignment between what you think, what you say, and how you act. Misalignment, living out of line, you're here and then you're there. People think this is what you are, then they find out that's what you are. They think you've said this, but now you're doing that. That misalignment is unholiness or lack of integrity. When we meet somebody who has integrity, we trust them because they always do what they say. What they say, you can see in their actions. That's called integrity. So holiness is integrity. God is integrated. His ways, His will, and His words 
are all integrated together in a perfect line. Somebody say amen if you're kind of getting this. And so because his will, words, and ways are in perfect alignment, God's love can be trusted. You know, one of the things I've learned about human nature, not by experience, but by watching movies, is that people can fall in love with anybody. Are you sometimes not only surprised, but maybe a little ashamed of the people you have fallen in love with? Sometimes you can't help who you fall in love with. You watch a movie and you think, oh, I just fell in, fall in love with the actor, fall in love with the actress. You fall in love with all, and then you later find out we can't integrate. I'm one way, they're another way. We fall in love with people who have no integrity whatsoever, but something about them attracts us. And what do we learn? We can't trust their love. Their love is not trustworthy because they are not integrated. So you have to watch yourself. Anybody can be attracted to people. That doesn't make you anything other than human. But God's love can be trusted because he has perfect integrity. Isn't that great news? And so when he says, be holy for I am holy, he is basically saying to you, align your thoughts, words, and deeds so that they are integrated and then you and I can have communion together. That is a holiness that we can share with God. See, if God said the part of holiness where I am flawless and never make a mistake, I require you to be that way, you would say, well, there's no way. I have received Jesus and I know that the new creation in me is, is in Christ and he is perfect, but I realize I'm a work in progress. So the conflict for Christians has always been, how do I understand and have faith and confidence in a concept that says God is requiring me to be perfect. But even though I know I'm very imperfect, I cling to Jesus who is perfect. Well, that sounds great. It preaches. But it's a very abstract concept. I like the more practical concept that says the holiness that God is looking for is not perfection in behavior but he is looking for honesty and alignment. And you know what? Anybody can do that. You don't need a third grade education to do that. You and I know some toddlers that have alignment in their thought, in their actions. People can be taught to be lined up. And you say, well, how do you avoid making mistakes? You don't. See, God has given us a way to perfectly align our thoughts, words, and deeds so that we can come before him with integrity even though we sin and make mistakes and it's called repentance through the blood of Jesus Christ. You come before God and you don't fake it till you make it. You come in honesty and you say, Lord, forgive me. I fell short, but I believe that you love me and in my heart of hearts I know I love you too. Help me, Lord Jesus. Here is the honest situation. And you lay yourself out before God in all honesty. And you know what? He loves that in his children. He loves it. The Bible says God dwells in the <clears throat> high and holy place. Frightening. We, we have, it's just scary to think of. Where is he's up there? Hallelujah. In the nebulous, uh, eternal perfection. But the Bible goes on to say, 
And God dwells with he who is of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Oh, the worst place to be, my brothers and sisters, this morning is to get in a place where you know you have fallen short. You're disappointed in yourself. You're frustrated. You, you, your mistakes, your sin uh, is being used by the devil as a battering ram to beat you over the head and say, don't you even go pray. Don't you talk. God does not want to hear out of your potty mouth, praise the Lord. You know what I'm saying? Don't you even turn your thoughts towards the Lord because you know you were just thinking some really stupid things. The enemy is fighting you off. He's trying to push you away from the Father. The Lord said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. I am with you now, always, even under the ends of the earth. Call unto me. Hallelujah. And so we come with that honesty. And the Lord loves it because he loves the contrite. He said, I will not refuse the broken and the contrite heart that comes. Can you say praise the Lord? So you can have integrity. You can be holy. So when Jesus says be holy for I am holy, he's basically saying alignment because he is in alignment. Now I want you to think about with, uh, with me what James says in first chapter of James verse 5 through 8. He says if anyone is deficient in wisdom he should ask God who gives to all generously and without reprimand. In other words, he's not going to say, how dense can you be? How many times do you need to hear this before you get it? He doesn't reprimand you because you're asking him for wisdom. Lord, it's me again. I, I was listening before, but I'm just not getting it. He's not going to say, I thought you got that. Didn't you get that when I was, you know, how did you go and blow that again? When you go to him and ask for wisdom and humility, he gives it generously without reprimand, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed around by the wind. Listen up. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, since he is double-minded individual and unstable in all of his ways. See, God is saying the person who's double-minded lacks integrity. One moment they're saying out of their mouth, Lord, I believe you, I, I've come to you and asking, but uh, the whole time they're saying, I don't really think God's going to do anything for me. And they're, they're double-minded. They're in unbelief. Their mind is in two different areas. Their heart is in two different areas. So the Bible says, don't let that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So notice, the person who comes to God who lacks wisdom and needs help comes and God says, I will generously give it to you. Just come with your heart, words, and your ways all lined up saying, I need this help, Lord, please help me. And the Lord said, I will give it with joy and generous. But don't come pretending to be something you're not or in unbelief because prayer without integrity cannot receive an answer from God because God cannot integrate with double-mindedness or dishonesty. Being singular-minded, being honest with yourself and honest before God is far more important than any other efforts that you make to create a kind of religious acceptability about yourself. So let's just summarize this before we go on to a practical application. Holiness is not the heavy burden of moral superiority or perfection. But it's aligning will, words, and ways 
so that you can have an honest faith. In other words, integrity. Think of the man who brought his son to Jesus who, who had a demon spirit oppressing him. And um, he was frustrated because the disciples couldn't cast the spirit out. And he goes to Jesus and says, well, if you could do anything, you know, here he is, see if you can deliver. And Jesus said, if you believe all things are possible, and the man immediately felt the pain of his anger and frustration. And he answered to Jesus, most beautiful response. He said, Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Jesus instantly said, bring your son here. And he delivered him. See what God's looking for? You see that? An honest faith. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, listen. Um, Because Satan cannot stop many of you from believing in Jesus and believing in his word, he attacks your ability to use your faith in prayer by undermining your holiness and your integrity so that you can't receive from the Lord. Think about that. He can't talk you into giving up on Jesus. So what he does is he tries to make your faith ineffective by messing with your integrity, getting you out of alignment, so that when you pray, you can't, you're not taking your shoes off. You're not stepping onto holy ground, and you're fr beginning to get frustrated with your prayer life. There are a lot of believers that are in that place. They read the Bible, they believe the Word of God, but they're not connecting with God. They can't step onto holy ground. They, they're, in a, they're in a constant state of... Um, uh, condemnation and frustration and oftentimes get pushed by the enemy into thinking I need to do something better when all that God's looking for the whole time is that honesty and alignment that integrity and so the enemy is constantly attacking your integrity because he knows it will cripple your ability to pray and I want to share with you one of his most effective strategies this morning I didn't read this in the Bible, this particular uh, definition of this strategy. I've just watched it work for many, many years, so I've given it my own name. And it's called Paralyzed Love and Crippled Faith. Paralyzed Love and Crippled Faith. This is one of the devil's favorites. And see if you don't recognize it in your own life from time to time. Consider, first of all, how essential and how powerful it is uh, that by holiness and prayer we are able to stay in the love of God and operate mountain moving faith in God's love. Through holiness and prayer, having integrity, we keep ourselves in the love of God. When we're in the love of God, we're in His presence on holy ground. And we are able to let God move through us with mountain-moving faith. That is so powerful and essential. When you're thinking about that, I want you to think about these three verses. Romans 5 and 5 says, Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given us. So number one, God has poured His love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. 
Galatians 5, 6 says, For in Christ neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Second thought, love, which God has poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, out of it comes faith. Faith is founded in love and operates and functions through the agape, the love of God. And finally, Matthew 24, as Jesus warns about the last days, he says in verse 12, because lawlessness will increase. How many have thought recently as you watch TV, maybe even over just, just the past several months, lawlessness is increasing. We see in the world so many things. You know, we, many people used to just note the, the trends of society and go, oh, it's such a shame. It's hard now to note those changes without becoming aggravated by them. And our culture is becoming more and more angry. People are being aggravated, and they're angry over the things they see. Because, <clears throat> I, I'll speak for myself, watching amazing stupidity <laughs> just does something to me. Just, I, I, I just see it, and I, and I think, forget about it. That's, you know, hoe your own row. That's them, you know. But the problem is, is that other people's stupidity eventually affects your life, you know. So then, it, so we have an angry, hostile, hostile trend going on in our culture. Well, how many of you know that Jesus prophesied this would be one of the greatest signs of the end times? Is that because lawlessness, and by the way, the stupidity and everything is because of lawlessness. And I'm not—I'm sure you can think of examples. I'm not going to go and, and uh, comment on this, but. Lawlessness is inbounding, uh, abounding. And so Jesus warns, because lawlessness will abound, the love of the many of God's people will grow cold. So look at what we've said. God has put his love into our hearts. Number two, faith is produced by that love. Number three, Jesus warns, be careful, because in the last days, all that stupidity and lawlessness and and the, the uh, awful behavior that's going on around you is going to tempt you to become offended and become angry. And it will, if you let that happen, it will choke your love. What will happen to faith if your love gets choked? It becomes crippled. Faith is crippled. If love is paralyzed, faith is crippled. Love is paralyzed. The devil doesn't have to attack your faith. He just attacks your love. Are you listening to me? Amen. He attacks your ability to love to stay free in the love of God, to stand on the holy ground of God's love. And if he succeeds at pulling you off of holy ground and getting you into the mud and in the playpen with all the babies and fighting with all the rest of them, guess what? You might be entirely right. That stupid person over there, that situation over there, you may be entirely correct. But when it comes time to have to pray the prayer of faith, your faith will be tied up and, cr and crippled. Because your love has been paralyzed. You had to leave the love of God to get into the mess that you're in. Christians have a decision to make today. We're either going to be the answer or we're going to keep trying to fix the world. Jesus died because the world is unfixable. Can I, can I say that one more time? It has always grieved me that we raise generation after generation of young people, put them through an education process, give them a diploma, and then send them out with a big commencement address saying, go out and change the world. Would you tell your children, go out and stick your tongue in that light socket? Stick your face in that fan. Would you tell your children, prepare, and then go out and jump off a cliff? 
No. Why do we keep telling people, go out and change a world that cannot be changed? People need Jesus. So Christians are going to have to make up their mind. They're either going to keep monkeying with the world and trying to change it, or they're going to be the ambassadors of Christ. And they're going to be part of the real solution instead of part the Christian part of the problem. Now, listen to this strategy, how it works itself out, because I told you I thought you would probably identify this in your own life. <clears throat> the love that the Spirit deposits into our hearts is so essential to the operation of faith that Satan uses the faults of the world to, one, lure us into offense, then drain our love, and finally, strip us of holiness. Remember, once you're out of the love of God, you are out of holiness, out of integrity. You can have integrity with people, but if you don't have integrity with God, you don't have real holiness. So at the moment when love is needed to generate the prayer of faith, it's been paralyzed by offense, and faith has become crippled. So Satan then walks onto the scene in your life, in your area of responsibility, as we stand by ineffective, and he has his way with those people who we could have helped, but instead we're engaged in strife with them. Amen. Let me make it a little closer to home. A husband's love for his wife is paralyzed by something she does to offend him. Think about that. You don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> Husband's love for his wife is paralyzed by something she's done to really offend him. But, but, Satan has plotted a trial of affliction against her, and he hasn't launched it yet, but he's got it lined up and ready. He's going to attack the man's wife. And that's why he prompted her to tick off her husband. Following me? Some, see some of the men been around with the gray hair? They're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. I may be a chimp, but we hang around long enough. We, we pick these things up. Now listen. Once her husband's love is paralyzed, faith is crippled. And the devil watches. The moment that happens... The moment that faith is crippled, at that moment that the husband is really needed the most, the devil enters into the house, attacks his wife, while he stands by, ineffective and unable to do anything about it. And now your home's on fire. Now your marriage is on fire. Now you're frustrated. Now nobody is standing on holy ground. Now the enemy is having his way. Now it's Sunday morning and you got to go to church. And you got to ride in the car together to the house of God. And now it's time to crank it up. It's time to worship the Lord. What are we doing when we worship the Lord? We're singing songs. Well, if you're not on holy ground, then you are singing songs. But if you're on holy ground, man, you're, you're jumping up into Papa's arms. You and your wife, you have walked in integrity. You haven't been perfect. You've made mistakes. 
But because of Jesus' blood, through, through the ability to humble yourself and to keep it honest before God, you are, there's no barrier between you and the Lord and His love, and you're there fellowshipping. Oh, isn't it great to walk in the love of God, to be holy. Somebody say amen. amen. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no one shall see the Lord. Isn't it amazing that the writer puts together the idea of keeping peace with everybody and holiness? He says, without holiness, no one shall see the Lord. You see, when the enemy has planned and plotted that trial against your wife, and so he starts his whole ambush by taking a stick and poking her, Maybe you did something she's asked you a million times not to do or whatever, and now she's not going to be nice about it. <clears throat> he just jabs her, and she says something to you that you just imagined in your own head, that voice that you've heard before. And you are offended now. You know, you're offended. You're upset. And the enemy's just watching all the pieces tumble into place. And then he hits her with the sickness, the disease, the trial, the attack, the affliction, and she needs a miracle from God. But her mate, her prayer mate, her faith mate is out of action. He's off of holy ground. He's mad at her. He's offended. His love has been usurped, and he has no faith with, with which to pray. And let me tell you, the Bible says, Without holiness, no one shall see the Lord. So at the moment, the husband and the wife need to see the Lord. They can't see Him because unholiness has come in and attacked their home. That devil's put them out of the place of holiness. And let me just take it one step further before we pray. Without holiness, nobody out there is going to see the Lord. The church can preach. Christians can run around and tell people what they ought to believe and be 100% correct. But people don't get saved because they've heard a correct message. They get saved the minute they really see the Lord. When they see Him, it's taste and see that the Lord is good. If they don't taste the holiness of God in us, they're not going to see Jesus. So when you and I walk in holiness before the Lord, guess what? The sinners will see Jesus. And soul winning is easy. Hallelujah. When we walk in holiness. So let's wake up and realize that when people for whom we have been called to keep faith and love at the ready are the very ones baiting us into an offense, wake up and realize it's a trap Amen. to lure you off of holy ground where you could have some power to really help them. And a trial is on the way. When you leave this church today, I want you to think about this little formula, this little strategy. If you're being lured into a conflict with somebody, stop for a moment and think. This is a good indication that the enemy has cooked up a, 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 a trial. That right around the corner is some plan. If the enemy is poking me and prodding me and I'm getting agitated, the first thing I ought to think is, I'm going to need faith. 
I am going to need to operate in faith probably later this day or in the next day or two because that's why this is happening. Can you say amen? amen? Hallelujah. So when those opportunities to become offended come, stop at that very moment and just get, make sure you are standing on holy ground. Get yourself into the presence of God and outsmart the enemy. Hallelujah. We're not ignorant of his devices. So here's our altar call today. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the forces of life. You guard your heart with the integrity of holiness. It's on holy ground that you keep your You can't keep your heart out there. I've tried. You can't. It gets away from you. Get on holy ground with the Lord. You can keep your heart with all diligence. The integrity of holiness is simply pursuing what God has made you. This is our altar call today. The Bible says, be holy, for I am holy. We've already said, I can't be holy in the sense of perfection, but Christ who is perfect in me can strengthen me to have integrity before Him. And so what God is saying is, I have made you holy, pursue holiness. Pursue what I have made you. You're not pursuing holiness so that you can make yourself holy. You're pursuing holiness because he has made you holy. Hallelujah. So I want to encourage you as we close in prayer this morning to keep your thoughts, words, and deeds in the love of God so that he can manifest his glory through you when you pray. Pursue holiness. Stand with me.